and we collectively say, oh, <laughs> uh, it's good to be with you tonight. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tonight. If you want to get out your Bibles and follow along, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, as we observe children, we notice um, they tend to love to play. And they'll get all excited about getting to go play with each other and spend time together. But uh, after a little bit of playing, somebody gets upset. Uh, somebody wants a toy that somebody else has. Or somebody called somebody names. Or somebody did something they weren't supposed to do. Uh, and out of nowhere, there comes a lot of hurt feelings and, and emotion. And maybe some fighting and, and arguing and, and, and all kinds of things going on. Uh, we know that scene all too well, uh, but I think that's a really interesting picture for us to consider what happens in a local congregation whenever there are divisions. Uh, as we study 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tonight, we're going to see that much like children who have this immaturity about them, that they're unable to uh, handle themselves appropriately and, and deal with things in a mature fashion, sometimes we as Christians act very immature. Uh, and Paul points this out to us as, as one of the problems that are going on in Corinth uh, and, and that's leading to the divisive behavior uh, that is happening there. And so as we study this together, I mean, we've been studying through this section about division and divisiveness. And, and as I started out, I was like, I don't see any divisive problems here. I feel like we all got this. We're doing pretty good. And now the more that I read it, the more I'm like, oh, I kind of do that. And I kind of do that. And I kind of do that. So um, I'm not picking on anybody as we say all this and we study all this, but more so it's just a really important uh, understanding that we get as we study through this section of God's Word that, uh, that there are divisive behaviors that we can fall into and that we certainly need to avoid. Uh, and the idea of being spiritually mature leading to division and divisive behaviors is something that we, we certainly want to avoid. So we're going to talk about that as we study together. Let's start out reading the first four verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, um, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? This is Paul opens this up. He's been talking to them about their, their struggles and their divisive behavior and how they have uh, chosen sides on some occasions. They've, they've focused on things that don't really matter, and they've, they've, they've lifted up those things, and then they've taken the things that really matter, and they've thrown them aside, and, and they're doing all kinds of things to hurt one another, thinking that they are so great, and they are so wise, and they're being very proud uh, toward one another. Now he tells us, uh, a little bit of some of the root cause of that. He says, I could not address you as spiritual people. I couldn't approach you as um, mature adult Christians. But I spoke to you like, I have to speak to you like children. Can you imagine a, a preacher coming in and that, that helped to uh, initially instruct you uh, maybe some 10 years ago and, and he comes in and and he sees how you're acting, and he sees the way you are, and he's like, well, I guess I need to start all over then. 
uh, how much that would hurt our feelings that, to know that we are still struggling with childish tendencies and there's, there's an exasperation of the, the one who taught us that, that we would continue in the childish behaviors that we've always been involved in. Can you just imagine uh, a teenager who's still drinking a bottle? Can you imagine someone who's in their 40s and 50s who, who can't you know, eat a steak, they have to eat baby food or something like that. Like that, that should never happen. We see the ridiculousness of that, that there should be a growth and a development that takes place. And what's he talking about as he talks about uh, drinking milk versus drinking meat? Uh, well, he's talking about the tendencies they have to be very fleshly. Uh, their tendencies to be very uh, focused on the things that are of this world, right? Uh, of the flesh, what do we typically think of whenever we think of there being, they're, they're very much of the flesh. Well, we think of sexual morality, right? We think of um, maybe stealing and, and murder or, you know, we just think of those, some of those ugly, ugly things. But he, he, notice here he's talking about jealousy and strife. And he says that is the spiritually immature people among you. You're jealous about one another. You see someone else is getting more attention than you and you want their attention. And so you're trying to outdo them and show yourself to be greater than them. And you're, you're angry about someone else uh, being lifted up and you yourself want to be lifted up. And you've got this sense of pride and this desire for self-glory inside of you. And he says, that's immaturity. That's not the way that a mature Christian acts. We're not seeking our own glory. We're not seeking to be the greatest. We're not jealous because other people are lifted up. Uh, we're not looking for all the spotlight to be on us. But instead, we're willing to lift up a brother. That's spiritual maturity. Uh, and so he points this out. You're not yet ready for the meat. I still have to give you milk. Now, as Christians, I hope that we understand that there's supposed to be a growth and development in our ability to learn and understand things. And that we're not just supposed to take in a bunch of information, but that we're actually supposed to practice that information, put it to use, and develop an even greater understanding of those things that we've learned. Uh, you're here tonight, hopefully, because you're, you're devoted to that understanding, that spiritual growth. I mean, who comes to services on Sunday night anymore, right? I mean, there's nobody does that. Like, all these congregations around us, nobody's continuing to hold Sunday night service. Why? They don't really care about spiritual maturity that much. They don't really care about growing in the deeper things of God. And you, you, you that are here for Bible class on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, you care about the deeper things of God. That's why you're here. But notice there, there should be some transformation that's going on. It shouldn't just be we come and we take information in, but there's supposed to be a change that happens that allows us to take even deeper material and to grow even further in our understanding of what it means to do the things that God has told us we're here to do. And so there's supposed to be a lot of change that's happening inside of us that Paul is saying is not there in the Corinthians. And it's evident by them saying, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. Spiritual maturity is, is, is evident in their wanting to lift up men and follow after them. And that's it. It's, not, it's a very small thing, you'd think. But he says, you're still children. And you need to grow out of it. Then he continues to explain this, to try to help break this down for them, because they're, 
acting like children. Verse 5, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who planted nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. He starts to break all of this down for them. Earlier in chapter 1, he pointed out that they're saying this, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, I follow Jesus. They've, they've picked sides and they're, they're lifting up men. And he says, who are we? We're nobodies. We're vessels through whom you receive the word. We're planters and waterers. We're servants. You're lifting us up and we're nothing. It's like all those instances that we read about in Revelation and Daniel and Ezekiel when the angels are bringing a message to those who are, uh, who are interested in God and loving God and, and they bow down and worship the angels. He says, no, 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 don't do that. You know, this is not, that's not what, what I'm here for. You worship God alone. And this is the way Paul brings this up. It's not from me. The source is not me. The source is not Paul. The source is not Apollos. Uh, you have to grow past that to see everything is coming from God. And God is the one providing the increase. And this is the way we have to think about all the things that we experience and enjoy. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, I just love my preacher and, and, and they just love their church and they just love all these things. And they, don't, they don't give the credit to the source. They just love God who gave them those things. And that's what he's trying to help them understand. Then he kind of points to who they are. And he helps them understand, you are God's field, God's building. Notice the possessive here. You belong to God. You're not Paul's field or Paul's building. Paul is just a, a worker in the field. And, and so is Apollos. You don't belong to Paul. You're not a follower of Paul. Paul is irrelevant. But God is the one you belong to. And him alone you should magnify and glorify. And he says we all are living for God's purpose in our life. Not our own. He's trying to shift their thinking to the more mature way of thinking. To get past what they see. And to move their minds to what they cannot see. To live instead of by sight, to live by faith in the one who is over everything. And to stop talking about the things that they see and start talking about and thinking about the things that are unseen. That belong to God as, as they themselves are a part of something much bigger that God owns and God is in control of. This is diving in to help them understand that their way of thinking is very childish and immature and, and thinking very physically and not spiritually. He goes forward and he says uh, that we are God's building. And listen to what he, what he says about God's building. This is very interesting considering earlier in the year uh, we kind of said don't go to church. The church is not a building. Well, listen to what he says in this section, verse 10. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. 
For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now, if anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If, that, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Notice here he says that there's this building. Uh, earlier we said the church is not a building, but there's a sense in which it is, right? The church is not this building, it's the people. And the people are making up this building just like the church is a field. It's, a, it's an illustration, an image, a figure of speech. And he says the church is a building, so to speak. <coughs> oh man, I got a tickle, sorry. And in this building, there's a foundation that has been laid, which he says is Christ. Christ is the foundation, and there's no other foundation that will stand. It reminds me of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, uh, that, on the, that uh, whoever listens to the words of Jesus is like a wise man who builds their house on the rock. Jesus is a rock foundation, a foundation that will stand the tests of time. But the foolish man builds a house on the sand. So instead of building a house on the sand, he's wanting us to build a house on the rock, and the rock is Jesus. And here Paul says, you are God's building built on the rock, built on the foundation of Jesus. And whenever the, whenever the storms come, the foundation of Jesus will stand, even though it's tested by fire. <coughs> so he says, uh, you are part of God's building. You are a building that's constructed for God. And he says, let each one take care. Thank you so much. <clears throat> let me try to get rid of this. I've been doing so good and feeling so good. I just decided to come back with a vengeance. He says, let each one take care how he builds upon it. Indicating that our spiritual maturity is like building a house. We're constructing a house as we grow spiritually. Uh, we are uh, adding to the house materials, and those materials represent our spiritual diet. If we are spiritually mature uh, and we are seeking spiritual maturity, then those materials that we've laid resemble fine materials, gold, silver, precious stones, Things that will last and stand in the test and in the fire. And the spiritually mature Christians will endure the fire and come out the other side and be able to continue to build and be stronger and bigger and glorify God even more. But he says the spiritually immature Christian is going to get burned. They're building it out of wood, hay, and straw. And the consequences of that are pain and suffering. If we choose to be spiritually immature, it will be hard for us. And he, he gives the picture that we will be saved. I mean, this is, uh, he, he himself is this skilled master builder. He laid the foundation that is Jesus, and it's going to be able to stand through the storms, but it's not going to be pretty. 
Even though the building, the, the foundation itself will stand, all our work will be burned up and the reward will be lost. There will be a reward that we could have had if we'd have built something grand on that foundation. But it'll be lost as a result of our unwillingness to become spiritually mature. And that's what God wants for us is to receive a reward. But we will not have that to look forward to. So there's a sense in which we are a building. Uh, it's not that this is the building. Uh, it's that we are the building. And that that building, as, he, as you continue reading, is, notice this in verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Now, in this case, has he been talking about spiritual maturity? He's been talking about building upon the foundation and, and growing uh, spiritually and growing in this way. He now brings up the fact that you, collectively you, uh, church at Corinth, are God's temple. So the building that's happening is not just individual building of a temple, though in chapter 6 he'll bring up the fact that we individually are a temple, but it's much more talking about the congregation in Corinth, that you are the temple of God. And what are you building on that temple? Are you building things of wood and hay and straw? <clears throat> Is the church there growing spiritually together? And are you contributing to the work to help the church grow spiritually together? Or <coughs> is the church just going through motions? Is it just adding things that are superficial? Things that don't endure trials and tests? Are you putting in the time and the effort to do the things that really matter and bring about spiritual development in the members? Because you are the temple of God. Now, the temple throughout the Old Testament, uh, it was the tabernacle at first, but it was the place where God dwells. It was a place where God had a relationship with man, where man could enter into his, his presence and experience the joy of a relationship with God. And he says, you, Corinthians, are that. And, and the outsider could come, and they couldn't come inside, but... They could, they could come from the outside and they could worship this God. And they would look and they would see the people and they would understand who God is. And that was what God designed the temple for. Eventually Solomon built a grand temple that everybody everywhere wanted to come and see. And ultimately what he says is we are that temple. In the New Testament, Jesus is called the temple uh, in his body. Uh, we as the church collectively are called the temple of God. And we individually are called the temple of God. And heaven itself is, is given us a, a, a picture of being a, the temple of God, the presence of God. So there's lots of different ways this is described. But overall, it's discussing the relationship that we have with God is a closeness, a nearness, and, and a relationship that is built on uh, love and mutual love and respect and, and, and holiness and sanctification and all of those wonderful things and so he says you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you if anyone destroys God's temple God will destroy him who wants to destroy any part of God's temple nobody does right that, that, that's ridiculous 
But whenever we're spiritually immature and we become divisive as a result because we're proud and, and we're arrogant and we're jealous and we're, we're, we're creating strife with one another, we're setting it on fire. We're creating problems that could lead to the destruction of someone else's faith. And that's ultimately against what God desires. And as we look at this text, we see, he says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. There's a sense in which anybody who comes in and tries to destroy us, God is going to destroy them. And if we try to destroy one another, we are going to receive some level of destruction. Maybe our foundation is not built on Jesus Christ. Maybe it's built on our own self-righteousness or it's built on some other man's teaching. It says, I will destroy them. Nobody wants that. So as I consider my own immaturity and my own desires as uh, someone, you know, offends me or makes me upset or uh, I, I have something that happens to me that I don't really like and I really kind of wish somebody would be gone or, or something like that pops up in my mind. We need to understand that really this is God's temple that we're talking about here. The people who are members of Christ's body are members of God's temple. Who would want to destroy a part of God's temple? Nobody should. Instead, we should want to work alongside God's spirit in love to bring about the, the mending of those who have been damaged by uh, the destructive work of, of those around us, the destructive work of the world. Ultimately, our goal and our mission is to show love and patience, and that indicates maturity instead of immaturity, and that's what God wants in us, not to destroy but to build up, to create more love and more uh, respect and awe and holiness inside of God's temple, to even develop more spiritual maturity as we're patient with one another and we encourage one another. I myself have experienced a lot of patience here. Uh, I've experienced a lot of patience in West Palm Beach. I've experienced a lot of patience in Piney Chapel and Baldwin and all the other congregations I've been at. Uh, and, and shown extreme spiritual immaturity and immaturity in general. Uh, and, and maybe you as well have felt that. and You've gone through uh, some periods of time whenever you were immature and you said and you did things that you wish you had not said or done. Well, look at what Paul says next. Verse 18, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world, or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are Christ's. And Christ is God's. He starts out, don't be deceived. Sometimes uh, we're going to be deceived. You know, if you're immature, ultimately what that means is you've been deceived. You've been deceived into thinking that uh, something is right that's not right. Into something, thinking something's wrong that's not wrong. You've been deceived into thinking that you are great when you're not great. And, and you need to be lowered. 
How many times have we been spiritually mature with people around us? They've been patient, but we just couldn't help ourselves. We pushed the issue, and we got caught in our own craftiness, and we were shown to be fools. Have you ever done that? I've done that. He's making this point. The proud have to fall to see their folly. The spiritually immature have to go through pain and suffering. They have to be burned. They have to watch all the work that they've been putting in to, to construct this building, the, the part of the building that has all this wood and, and fine straw and everything. All Look at all this work I've done. They have to have it all burned up in order for them to wake up and start growing spiritually. Uh, to be building something that actually glorifies God and withstands the trials of life. We've all probably had this happen to us before. And ultimately what I think he's pointing to here is discipline. Spiritual immaturity hurts us because we need the discipline that results. Uh, and that's, that's part of the process. And we read in Hebrews... What father among us doesn't discipline the son whom he loves? Of course, we, we need the discipline. And so as we go through times of spiritual immaturity and we make all kinds of fools of ourselves, we understand that that was really embarrassing. We need to not, you know, get all embarrassed and shy and never work again. But we need to stand up and, and own it and move forward toward maturity. Learning from our mistakes and not doing those things anymore. Uh, spiritual immaturity can be very divisive, uh, but unfortunately, it's part of the growth process. Uh, so those of you who are mature, uh, we have to learn to bear with the weaknesses of the people around us and endure without allowing them to divide uh, and, and grow from the mistakes that are being made by others and the mistakes that we make as well. As we look at chapter 3, we see, first of all, God is the source of all of our spiritual blessings, not men. Uh, don't lift up men. Don't think highly of men. Think more of God than men, and think more of God's temple, uh, and think more about how we together represent the temple of God, uh, we, we are here to shine a light of God's glory, his holiness, his righteousness, his goodness in the community around us. And all of those here who are members are a part of God's temple. And we ought to love and nurture and, and help one another uh, instead of hurting each other. We learn from this that if we, if we decide to pursue uh, immature habits and we decide not to grow spiritually, then it's going to be painful for us. You know, we don't have to be immature for long. Immaturity is going to happen to everybody who comes out of the waters of baptism. I'm sorry, there's no avoiding it. You're going to be immature. You're going to think the wrong way about people and what they're doing. You're going to accuse people of things they haven't done. You're going to assume the worst in people. You're going to say things you shouldn't say and do things you shouldn't do. You're going to condemn things you shouldn't condemn. It's just the nature of being a babe in Christ. But there's an expectation that we would grow out of that. That we would get to a point where we're able to eat the meat and we're able to live the life that resembles Christ. And that's ultimately what they're failing to do and ultimately what we're called to do. So how are we going to get there? 
I don't think anybody here would say, I'm at the level of top maturity and I can't go any more mature. I don't, I don't care how old we are, we're still on some level of immaturity here. Uh, and we should be humble enough to say that. And if you say, I'm not, then okay, well, you're, you're too immature to see it, um, most likely, right? So how do we get there? Well, we need to improve the quantity and the quality of our study. We need to spend time in God's word. Wisdom and knowledge and understanding comes from the study that we engage in. Uh, the Bible classes that we're doing, the Sunday night studies. Uh, you're here tonight because you love and you want to know more. Don't lose sight of that. As you come and you see uh, other people aren't here that we're here on Sunday morning, and, and maybe you see next week there's even fewer here, and the next week there's even fewer here. Don't lose sight of the fact that your mission is to be spiritually mature so that you can add to God's temple gold and silver and precious stones. You can do work that brings him glory and receive your reward. Don't pay attention to everybody else's failings. Pay attention to the work that you're here to do. And don't be satisfied or content with what you know. We're not here to just, uh, you know, get a brief overview of the Bible and then feel like we got it. Uh, spiritual maturity chews on the meat. We dig deeper into the difficult things. That, that are here to study. Uh, on Sunday nights in the future, I plan to do a lot of deep studies in books that we don't typically study. Uh, we might even, uh, you know, consider doing Bible class or two about some controversial subjects so that we can get a little bit more feel about the things that are, uh, that are weighing on people's hearts and minds and things that we need to dive deeper into. Uh, but ultimately, that's the goal is to seek the deeper things, seek the meat. So that we grow more spiritually. Because if we're just constantly eating the milk, then we're never going to be ready for the fires that come our way. Uh, who here thinks that they're wise? Hopefully none of us feel as though we're too wise. We know enough. We're, we, we don't need any more instruction or understanding. Hopefully we all understand that we're all, in some sense, babies compared to the, the infinite knowledge that's found in the Word of God. Uh, we, we all need to grow spiritually and, and become better in our understanding. We need to be aware that our tendency might be to deceive ourselves. And if we do that, we become weak. We become weak spiritually. And as a result, we might lash out to our brother or sister in Christ. We might say or do things that we regret, that show our foolishness. Uh, and, and if that happens, then we need to just... Own it and take it on the chin and, and make a change to be what God really wants us to be. Uh, mature, uh, spiritually minded people who love the Lord and love one another as we should. Um, I'll tell you right now, I'm not near as far along as some of you, um, but I, I'm, I'm so encouraged as I'm a part of this congregation and I get to see those who are spiritually mature making sacrifices Y'all don't get to see a lot of the stuff that I see. Y'all don't get to hear about a lot of the stuff that I hear about. Um, I'm privileged to know the work that goes on behind the scenes that spiritually mature people have devoted themselves to, uh, knowing that they don't receive anything external for it. They just love the Lord, and they're looking forward to the, the, the reward that comes. They're, they're laying those gold bricks on the temple to make it even more beautiful. Uh, and that's what, that's what members here are doing. And, and we all need to be playing a part in that. 
so if you're not growing spiritually, we need to uh, help you in any way that we can, and we want to help you in any way that we can. Um, and, and our Bible classes are intended for that. Our Sunday night studies, our Sunday morning studies, they're all intended for that. If, if we could do something to improve those, let us know uh, so that we can help you even more. We even have uh, Bible studies throughout the week to help you with that if, if you're able to come. Uh, if you're here tonight and you're not a member of the body of Christ, we understand the difficulties that you might face in becoming a member. Uh, we understand the difficulties of immaturity that, that many of us all struggle with could lead us to a point of feeling as though we have, we're all burn up and burn out. Uh, and if that's you and you're struggling in any way, then we can help you. Will you please let us know? Please come as we stand and sing.